irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Talk Radio. This is Max and Friends and all podcasting platforms. Welcome back to Max and Friends. I welcome you. I bow to you. I say thank you. Namaste. Hey, how you doing? You're joining me for the first time. I've been here for almost 14 years. Where have you been? I'm here like every Sunday night. And if you're tuning in on all podcasting platforms, well, then it's whatever day you're tuning in. So I usually say good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Max and Friends. How are you? How are you? Words that we seldom ask one another. We just jump into conversations instead of just really digesting the fact of how are you. Speaking of digesting, food unites. How have you been united this week? How will you be uniting this week for Thanksgiving? Where will you be? Home. Home is where the heart is. Will you be going home this year? Or have you created a new home this year? And who will you be inviting into your home? Who will you be saying, to, I hear you, I see you, and you matter. That's Thanksgiving. What is gratitude validation to me? It's that point in time when someone looks at you and say, thank you for being you without changing you, without wanting to change you. You know, we do shows here all the time where we talk about the authentic you. Who are you? We recently did a show with um, my pal, Ashru is on and Ravi, oh gosh, Ravi, that was a great show. What is God? Not who is God, what is God? Because God is inside us and everyone else. We are all that is. So when we celebrate one another, we celebrate each other. When we celebrate self, we celebrate one another. When I look into your eyes, I see me. And when you look into my eyes, I hope you see me. And I see you and we see one another. With that said, happy Thanksgiving week. It should be every day that we're grateful. I'm grateful for this moment. I'm grateful for today. I'm grateful for Max and Friends. I'm grateful for LA Talk Radio. I'm grateful for Podbean. I'm grateful for all podcasting platforms. I'm grateful for Pana Water. (laughs) I'm grateful for my ancestors. I'm grateful for Delmonico's. I'm grateful for my mother. I'm grateful for all that is, I'm grateful. I can go on with the list of my, gra- my gratitude list, my list of gratefulness. What are you grateful for? Tweet me at Max Tucci, hashtag grateful, hashtag Max and friends, or DM me on Instagram at Max Tucci and of course at Max Tucci Radio, where that's the new page. So we're still trying to freshen it up a little bit. But at Max Tucci, you'll see what's going on in my life. And if you would be so kind to follow at the Demonica Way, my new cookbook that is coming out by Rizzoli, we kind of have a date for October 4th, 2022 is what we're, uh, what we're aiming for. So fingers crossed, knock on wood, uh, we will be doing that. How did, the, full, how did the, the lunar eclipse treat you on Friday night? That's what I want to know. How have you been energetically? 
what's been going on in your life. So, you know, I always say I want to know because I really do want to know. I want you to tell me. So tweet me at Max Tucci, Instagram me at Max Tucci, DM me, let me know what's going on. I'm grateful for my next guest. My next guest, I always say, should have a masterclass for introduction. My next guest needs no introduction except for the introduction that she's my friend. But on top of being my friend, she is a James Beard Award winner, a Gracie Award winner, host of Talk Nerdy to Me, the future of food and hospitality, Heat Making Art, F&B, magazine editor at large, Proof Magazine and Awards, NFT Foundation Board, Edible NFTs. The list goes on and on and on. She not only is accomplished, not only is she a foodie, not only is she a friend, she's a mother. And when she does her clubhouses, which she is one of the most extraordinary hosts on Clubhouse, I feel like I'm sitting in a room with wisdom. Like one of the most beautiful, I have them here on the Damonico farm, the, the willow trees, the trees of knowledge, the trees where we sit right under the leaves and we feel the earth underneath us and we could feel the connection with the earth and the roots underneath. We were talking earlier today about the culinary tree that Delmonico's is, the roots that go into the earth, the Delmonico brothers, the trunk is my grandfather, the branches are my father, my aunt, my ancestors. And then we have other branches that are all the restaurateurs that came out of Delmonico's, Sirio from the Cirque and Tony May and Harry and Fedora. And then off of there, we have Daniel Balud. And then off of there, we have the children of Tony and Sirio with Mauro Maccioni and Marissa May and Donatella Arpaia, and, and of course the branch being Lelo Arpaia. So this culinary tree, this imagery, I can sit under these trees here on the Delmonico farm. I feel one with the earth and then I feel one with all that is. And I feel one with my next guest, Jennifer English. Welcome to Max and Friends. Wow, and hello my beautiful friend, how are you? I am wonderful, thank you. And how are you? How are you? I am profoundly grateful to be here. And I love that in your introduction, we went to so many of the points of contact that we share. Our worlds are in incredible alignment. And you asked how the impact of this lunar eclipse rain down on our world and if you feel a little funny sometimes you just have to quiet yourself and 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 listen to what your body and your soul are telling you is going on and so even if you didn't know it was a lunar eclipse and you haven't felt quite right there's a really good reason for that just like we are sometimes really really hungry we don't really know what we're hungry for and we think of all our favorite things and what could we get delivered or what could we make or what do we have in the fridge, the freezer, or the pantry. And we think of this hunger as something quenchable. And of course it is quenchable, actually. It is very much quenchable. But not in the ways we think. It's quenchable by reaching out. It's reachable by the act of nourishing that craving we have. In order to nourish the craving we have, we actually have to identify the source of that craving. Mm. The craving isn't something we can satisfy with a handful of popcorn or a apple pie. Oftentimes I feel like that craving is only satisfied 
by something that has even more powerful nourishment and nutrition. And that is something that, that literally is made for us with love and it has an energy to it. And, and when we talk about Delmonico's and you write about and talk about the Delmonico way, what you're really talking about to me is some place and someone that practiced the art of hospitality for a generation and reminding people that they were being fed in both their bodies and their minds and their hearts and their souls. And when you tell me about the Delmonico way, it's about nourishing me in all five dimensions of my being. And that's something that's gone missing lately. And that's why we're all a little bit hungry. And that's why we're all a little bit hangry. And that's my theory about why this moment <laughs> makes me really grateful because you are giving me something that nourish me, nourishes me on all five levels. Beautiful. And you know, I agree. I think it's beyond hungry. I think we're starving. I think we're starving. We're starving for hospitality. We're starving for for the validation of, do you see me? Do you hear me? Do I matter? We're starving for, for love. We're starving for gratitude. And we're feeding them tonight. And for whenever anyone is tuning in, I'm your host, Max Tucci. For Max and Friends, my guest, Jennifer English, is joining me tonight. And we're, we're going to talk about, you know, I was once told by Wendy Williams, never give up your mic. And um, to be transparent, which I am, and to be authentic, which is exactly who I am. Uh, Jennifer had joined me last week, and we had tried to air this show last week. And all that was rose up and said, not yet. It's not the right time. So I don't stress anymore. I really don't. I've learned that where I am right now is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And that's here on Max and Friends. So last week, if you tuned in to hear us and you didn't hear us, you heard a wonderful replay from Gordana Birnat, who I my love, I absolutely love. Hashtag know the truth. Buy her book, support Gordana Birnat. Follow her on Instagram and Twitter at MyPowerTalk. Her birthday is 11-11. She's one of my powerful friends, um, one of Oprah's Super Soul 100. So thank you for, for being patient with us last week. Seldom do I turn over my mic. As I mentioned last week, we're not going to repeat the show because we can't repeat what is now. You can't. We, we can't. So I know that where we are now is exactly where we're supposed to be. I turn over my mic because Jennifer, the host, hostess of the mostess, um, has done radio for a majority of her career and is a wonderful interviewer. We're, we're often on the wonderful Clubhouse page, Talk Nerdy to Me. I encourage you to go there now and join it. This coming week on Wednesday, November 24th, we'll be doing a wonderful talk at 4.35 p.m. Pacific Standard Time in Clubhouse in the Talk Nerdy for Me. Um, hospitality, gifts, 2021. So definitely tune in there. But now I'm going to turn over my mic to my friend, Jennifer English, because there's a plan. We have an intention. We have a purpose. Jennifer, what is that plan? <laughs> Well, let's just start by talking about intention and intentionality. And one of the things that's really important, there, there are actually parallel tracks to intention, Max, and you live this incredibly powerfully and authentically. You remind me every time we talk of this. And the parallel tracks of intention are intention and clarity. If you mm. don't have clarity, you can't possibly have an intention. Mm. And without intention, what's the point of clarity? They go hand in hand. And I wanted to start by asking you about intention and clarity. 
because one of the ways I see it manifest in you as a great broadcaster and as a great friend is when you say, I see you, I hear you, and you matter. That to me says a lot about both your clarity and your intention as though it validates the very point I'm making. And I want to throw it to you, uh, lob this first one in for you uh, about, about your thoughts on intentionality and on clarity. So thank you for the question. Clarity, my dear friend Ashru is from Menudo, has a wonderful YouTube video. I encourage you to go see it where he says clarity where? Clarity here, clarity now. I do a wonderful meditation in the morning called Crystal Clear Clarity Meditation, Crystal Clear. And what it does is it gives me that moment to be still and know, to be still and know that where I am is rising up, where I am the presence of God is, where I am the presence of all that is. And when I have clarity, when there's a silence, I call it the symphony in the silence. So, so silent, I can hear the symphony. And so for me, that's what clarity is when I have the silence and when I can hear the symphony in the silence and intentions, intentions for me are they're medicine. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a medicine because what it does is it heals intentions. What they do is they provide a stepping stone. They provide a cornerstone. They provide that first footstep with clarity, with purpose, with drive, and with understanding. What is my purpose? What is my intention? What am I to do? What is my aim? What is my plan? What is my goal? That's what intention means to me, is being able to take that first footstep, even if we don't see what's ahead of us, but knowing that the first footstep I take has a plan and has a purpose. So that's what intention and clarity mean to me. It, it, that immediately makes me want to ask about the layers and levels of that. There's got to be some cornerstone distillates that we have culled from the universe and squeezed down into some concentrate. What are the concentrated intentions you live every moment with? And how are those different than the tactic-specific or moment-specific intentions that you cultivate as you move through the world and listen to and respond to those things that are being given to us and things that are being asked of us. Oh, I love this. So intentions, for me, I, I have the intention to be kind. I have the intention to validate, to literally speak my truth and to live by what I say. And when I say to someone, I see you, I hear you matter, my intentions are so that they receive that, understand that it is legitimate. So my intentions are to be legitimate, to be true to who I am born to be and to honor, to honor my ancestors, to honor the past, to honor the present, to honor the future. The intentions are kindness, grace, elegance, everything that really, I, I go back to Delmonico's because I, I have a saying, growing up Tucci, growing up Delmonico's, everything that I was that I was taught by my father, handed down by my father was handed down by my grandfather and the, the patterns and pathologies of my family and my lineage to be kind, to be graceful, to be elegant, to be sophisticated. And in all of that also to enjoy, to enjoy life. My intentions when I wake up, I have an extreme amount of gratitude. I say, thank you, thank you, thank you a million times. And then it turns into how am I gonna enjoy the day and how is the day going to enjoy me? So those really are how I get deeper into my intentions 
it's by starting off when I wake up before I even open my eyes just to have internal silence of gratitude for another day. My father passed away when I was eight years old, so I understand fully that we're not granted all another day and another day isn't promised. So for me, it's to be in that moment of saying thank you for another day and how can I be of service? I love that segue because you and I talk all the time. You and I are friends for which I'm enormously grateful. And in these wonderful conversations, we always come back to the point of being in service. Our world is called the service industry. From the back of the house and the operations of chefs and and purveyors and prep cooks and line cooks and dishwashers and doers, the world of back of the house and front of the house all encompass this idea of the service industry. From where I sit on the broadcast side and the conversational side, I do everything I can to support this industry. I feel um, so grateful to be here. And I know that you and I share this idea that we're both of service. Now, I kind of joke when I say this, but I absolutely mean it, that I want to be the the busboy to your world. And it would be nothing more than my privilege to be able to keep clearing the dishes from this great table at which we're having this incredible conversation. So let's talk a bit about service and being in service and the legacy of service that is the service industry on this moment in time, this crossroads where we are facing the future of food and hospitality. What is service going to look like in the future? How is service going to come to life in the ways we've always known it, which were, you know, validating in the, I see you, I hear you, you matter. You know, the customer's always right. Oh, welcome back, Mr. Jones, Mrs. Jones, Mr. Tucci, Jennifer English. Welcome back. What a, what a, what a delight it is to have you back in the house. And by the way, welcome back to my house, as Mrs. Chase and all the great restaurateurs Oscar used to say to their guests, being a regular at a house like Dookie Chase's or Delmonico's really <laughs> showcased what that meant, right? How Absolutely. are we going to take that essence of what made it great? And let's be honest, the Delmonico steak is great, but was it just about the steak? No. How are we going to take the great Delmonico steak and the Oscar touch, the Mrs. Leah Chase touch, the Carlotta Flores from the El Charo touch. How are we going to take the touch of the great restaurateurs forward into this future of food so that we know what that means to be of service and that we continue to teach what it means to be in a world where someone is gratefully of service? Mm. So I think, and thank you for honoring my grandfather with with such legends. Um, I have a friend of mine, whenever I do charity events in South Florida, she calls it the Tucci Touch, and it's about service. But to understand service, we must understand the definition of service. And service as a noun is the action of helping or doing work for someone. For someone. And then it goes on to saying, as a verb, it's perform routine maintenance or repair work. And so when we understand service as an action of helping or doing work for someone, what we do is it goes again to the validation. We, we have an action of helping or doing work for someone in the sense by saying, I'm, I, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve you. 
And what that means is, yes, you can have a Delmonico steak anywhere. You can go to, to Costco and buy a ribeye and make it at home. But what was special about going to Delmonico's was the experience of the service. Because what it did was it celebrated self-worth. It celebrated you. It celebrated the moment. It was, it was a pleasure to do work for you, the diner, for you, the client, for you, the individual who was celebrating a huge milestone in your life. People went to Delmonico's for celebrations because they knew that in that celebratory state that they would be honored and that they would be served and that they would have someone being attentive to them. As my father once said, um, it was quite funny. He said that good servers are like fine antiques. They present themselves in a room and the drawer is always ready to be opened. Meaning that when it is time to have someone come and acknowledge you, it is not, hi, how are you? Are you done with that? What can I do? It's, it's, there's a calmness to the service because it's honoring the person. And so for me, that's what service means. It means to really honor and to do the work for someone. And that's what Delmonico's did. That's what the Delmonico way is. Really, it's about, it's about being the service. The future of hospitality. I love the polo bar. And Nelly, who I adore at the polo bar, um, has the title of director of hospitality. How many restaurants, Jennifer, do you know have a director of hospitality, not only as a director, but with a business card that can be presented to someone that states director of hospitality? How many restaurants well, are the there? Answer is easy. I mean, the answer is easy. It's, it's not enough. But everybody yeah. that I know um, that I can I consider, you know, the best in the business. And this is where you and I need to introduce this idea to people. You have friends in the business. Okay. You have friends in the business. You just don't know that you do. There are people who literally get up and wake up every morning thinking about how they can delight you, even though they haven't met you yet. So there are people out there that do that job that are waking up thinking about ways to absolutely delight you. And not enough of them identify. Well, and the other thing is, the hospitality industry is so vexed at the moment from COVID that no one business card title is going to encompass everything that the people that are still in the business um, actually do because they do everything. Anybody that's still in the business does everything. Right. And everybody I know in the business is still saying, I can't find enough good people. Right. So, <laughs> you know, and you know, my grandfather, he was not shy to be the man that rolled up his sleeves. He was not shy to be the one that would clean the front of the building if someone came and spray painted on it. He was not shy to be the one that if the bus boy wasn't there, that he would clean the dishes. He played every role. And I think that's really the, that is the definition of restaurateur is not just being the front of the house. But it's being it's if you need to peel the potato, you'll peel the potato. And I just want to touch right. up real quick on service. The words that are similar with service, I'm looking it up now, are favor, kindness, helping hand, assistance. So these are words that go, I think, with the with the future of hospitality. Kindness, to be a helping hand, to have to give assistance and help. You know, so Oscar was like you're saying, he rolled up the sleeves. You said busboy, and I immediately thought of Oscar, who was not shy to, to be that person. You know, and when I did this book, I was like having conversations with the man I never met, with the man that I was uh, named after, and with the man who's, uh, talk about the torch that my father then took and then I've taken. You know, we've carried this torch uh, through generations, 
and Delmonico was under the proprietorship of, of the Tucci family for nearly 70 years. And Oscar resurrected the restaurant from being a building that was on, on slate to be demolished and a name of an industry, of, a, of an empire rather, that would have been forgotten. You know, 1917 is when it first closed due to the meatless and wheatless rations of the, of the wartime. And then in 23, because of prohibition. But Oscar was a daydreamer. He saw the vision and he understood the past and he understood elegance because he was from Florence, Italy. <laughs> so it was a little bit easier to understand beauty when you're surrounded by it in a city like Florence every day. And he brought that to New York. And when he saw the Delmonico building, it reminded him of a building on Via Tornaboni in Firenze. That's a beautiful corner building, just very similar to Delmonico's. And he said, one day I'll own that. Mm -hmm. He was a daydreamer and he created it and he, he turned his daydreams into reality. Um. I have a friend who's actually in Florence this week and posting pictures on Instagram that are making me swoon um, and that are that are actually triggering that sense that we were talking about at the at the start of this conversation about that longing, that that yearning, um, I'm yearning for the touch of uh, going to Italy, uh, like so many people wishing we could travel. But I digress. Let's go back for a second uh, to the conversation <laughs> about because we can go everywhere. And people are going to be following us and like, wait, weren't we just talking about something else? Yes. But let's but just stay in that quantum uh, leap real quick. The quantum leap of, of Italian service. You know, I grew up in Italy as well. And everything from even never having the change touch your hands, it was put on a plate so that there was that you would reach for it. And it, there was, it was never like there was always um, a, a superior elegance to how everything, even to the little papers that are put on on underneath the panini to the truffled butter. I mean, talk about intention and detail. Everything in, in, in Firenze, when you look, go to the fine dining experiences, even if they're not the most fine dining, even to the little, you know, where the little sandwich shop on the corner to get your panini, even the little espresso is done. And I think it's all done with love. And I think that's what really makes the difference. But they've also got shops that have been in business for 800 years. <laughs> so ah, they've been doing something like, and, yeah, yeah. and you could almost, Gilly. you could almost set, right? Like scents and perfumes and moments. I mean, there's things that you'll find that are just, oh. it's almost validation of what it takes to be a service. Yeah, Santa Maria Novella. You know, I go to the, the perfumery Santa Maria Novella, where you go in and everything is like beautifully displayed and there's everything is done in such is an honor to, you know, to turn the key. Here, unfortunately, I feel there's the disconnect. Here, people, a lot of people don't even want to go to work. Um, but in Italy, there's, there's a celebration. And, you know, even the oldest restaurant that we go to in Florence, which is Zocchi, my, I think since 1700s, my father used to take us there. And I would go back recently with my mother and there's new owners, but they knew of us. They knew, ah, the Tucci family is here. You know, the Delmonico, like, ah, you know, it was a whole big thing. And so even in restaurants in Italy, if there's a change of hand, they still let up the new owners know who their clientele is and who to look out for. And it's those special attentions. It's the Delmonico way, that special touch that, that you're saying, that Oscar touch that special right, touch let's, that let's what is it that the what is it that the 800 year old perfumery in Florence can teach us moving forward what is the lesson that they've never let go of 
that has kept them in business for literally 800 years that is a lesson for us to capture and take forward with us into the future of food. What is it that Oscar gave us as a legacy? What is the common thread in the constellation of incredible service between 800 years ago, Oscar, <laughs> and today and tomorrow? Incredible service. And, you know, there's not this, this need to, to social climb. And there's not this, this, this want. It's like I go back to the publicist who wants to be the celebrity. No, let, let, the, let the star be the celebrity. Let the clientele be the ones that are being honored. I think today every front of the house wants to be the one that everyone comes to see. You know, it's like people went to Delmonico's yes to, to celebrate Oscar, but they wanted the, the deeper experience. And even if Oscar wasn't there, that experience was still there. So I think today the disconnect, there's a disconnect in front of the house there's a disconnect in service. And the disconnect is, is that there's a disregard to, it all comes down to self-worth. I think self-worth 800 years ago is different than self-worth today. 800 years ago, Jennifer, we didn't have the value menu. <laughs> today, people are, they will settle for the value menu. I have to get into radio mode real quick. I'm your host, Max Tucci from Max and Friends. It's that mark where we're halfway through the show. My guest, Jennifer English, is not my guest, but she's the host, my co-host, but really the host of tonight's show, Max and Friends. Um, and I'm just so honored and blessed to have Jennifer here. So I think that's what the disconnect is, Jennifer. All right. Well, as Arif said, I'm honored. I'm Jennifer English, and I'm honored to be here with the mic. Turning the table, so to speak, on the incredible Max Tucci, when afforded the opportunity to step in and ask him about his upcoming book, the Delmonica way and to have a conversation that we share regularly about the future of food and hospitality, imagining all the ways we can be and continue to be of service. I find myself incredibly grateful for this opportunity because literally Max is one of the most fascinating, generous and, and soulful people I've, I've ever met. Um, his statement of, of being, I see you, I hear you and you matter has practically become tattooed on my consciousness. It was always there, but we highlighted it and colored it in a bit. Uh, Max Tucci, thank you for this privilege. My pleasure, thank you. And just to touch up, speaking of the book, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the midst of editing. These are like the final weeks before this goes off to be, uh, to be printed and accepted. And in chapter four, we talk about Delmonico's was a quintessential, a quintessential fine dining experience, delectable fare, rare fine wines, elegant table linens, an impeccably trained staff, private dining rooms, sterling silver flatware, and appealing flower arrangements. Everything was designed to honor the self-worth of a sophisticated clientele with revered hospitality. That's what we talk about in the Delmonico way. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit more about that as we go forward, but part of where we go together is uh, in our conversations in the Talk Nerdy to Me Club on Clubhouse. And I want to weave Clubhouse, Instagram, and the many platforms of social media that are the harbingers of community because in Web 3.0, hospitality to our uh -huh. conversation is going to be part and parcel of what hospitality is, the hospitality industry, the service industry will be. The lines will be blurred, but the intention cannot be. 
I want to ask you, when we share time together on the Talk Nerdy to Me Club on Clubhouse, when you're on Instagram, how can we begin to think about the myriad social media platforms that exist today and will emerge over the next 12 months as parts of Web 3.0, as part of the future of food and hospitality that will flow naturally from your book, that will flow naturally from any future iterations of brick and mortar and fine dining, and we'll call them IRL, real life experiences of Delmonico food and hospitality. Mm. Let's talk about that. Well, to talk about that, I think we really have to talk about the future of food. So what does the future of food mean? And what does the future of hospitality mean? Exactly. And I mean, we are in such a fast paced world where all of this talk about 3.0 can kind of literally be dizzying to the point where it's like we need there it has to be grounding so how can we be grounded and i think you know i that's something that every morning i i go outside literally and i walk barefoot on the on the earth just to have grounding here at at the farm and i bought a farm for that purpose you know i bought a farm for that experience you know and forget food to mouth it's seed for food to table or farm to table it's seed to mouth so by owning property where someone can come and experience the ecosystem, where someone can come and experience that everything has purpose, I think then parlays that into an even more extravagant experience when you actually visit the farm, see how it's paired, and then you're in the restaurant. I know there's many far, uh, restaurants that do that. Um, farm to table and they grow right there. One of my favorites here is Farmer and the Fish where they grow everything in the backyard. It heightens the experience to see and an appreciation to see where food is. Future of food though, you know, Jennifer, we have the conversations. The future of food is at home. The future of hospitality, the future of food is delivery and delivery service. So how do we heighten right. the delivery service to become something where delivery service becomes the ask the question, Jennifer, I'm bringing your food. I see you. I hear your matter. And so does the quality of your food from when it leaves the restaurant, from when it leaves the kitchen and arrives to your house. How is that experience? And our buddy Jason Zucker's figured it out. And I hope that more um, restaurateurs and chefs uh, start tapping into the understanding that the future of food is at home and delivery service. So how do we really, Jennifer, I throw it to you in this sense that how do we introduce the public to understand delivery service is really the future of food. So 60% of all of your food is going to be delivered to your home by the end of the decade. That is a startling statistic given that pre-pandemic, most of us still enjoyed going to the grocery store. At least I did. In fact, when I mm -hmm. travel, it's almost always one of the first places I go to learn about and to meet a place. To meet mm -hmm. the people is one thing, but to meet the place, just go to the grocery store and you will know exactly where on the planet you are. It's in the small details. And much uh -huh. in the same way that any grocery store is going to tell you where you are on the planet. Mm. Understanding those small details and sharing those small details to remind people where you came from and where you are and where the food that you're bringing to their home and where the food that someone is bringing to your home came from all rely on the small details. Things like the words, the flavors, 
Mm-hmm. Right? So there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. There is mm. going to be a tremendous amount of thought and energy, invention, intention over the next months to literally imagine how the very, very best can be delivered to your house. Mm-hmm. But there are things. How do we recreate the hospitality? How do we create and recreate the power of a table touch? I'm going to stop on this one for a second. Whenever you've sat in a restaurant and you're having a lovely experience and then you see the chef come out (laughs) and you watch the chef go to a table and put the hand on the back of the lady's chair or shake hands with someone at the table, you wonder to yourself, who is that? And you become fascinated by what that represents because it's, a physical manifestation of, I see you. I came out of my kitchen to see you so I could hear you, so I could show you that you matter. Mm. The table touch has taken on so many complex meanings in the modern restaurant era. Mm. And that the reset that COVID is giving us is letting us put away the ones that were ego-driven by chefs and are much more about becoming guest-driven. So when the chef came to your table, think about how that made you feel. When you walked into the place where you are a regular, were a regular, sadly, if they've closed, what did it feel like to walk into a place and be a regular and be recognized and welcomed? What was the energy of that place like that it became your regular place? I think, you know, it goes back to the, the, the show Cheers, where everybody knows your name. You know, it's you walk in and there's just, you feel good going there, you know? And like for me, I love Donahue's in New York. I can walk into Donahue's even if I haven't been there in forever. And we just pick up, Maureen and I pick up, Tom at the bar pick up where we've left off. And it's like, a fr- it's, it's more than a restaurant. It's a friendship. And, you know, I was at a restaurant recently in Boulder, Colorado. and the manager kept coming to my table. How are you? They said, oh, this is, you know, the Oscar Tucci's grandson, Delmonico's. And everyone was, the buzz was, who is he? And I looked at the manager and I said, I really thank you for coming over to my table, but I wish the attention you give to me, because I'm used to this, you give to everyone that's here. And she kind of looked at me a little bit dumbfounded, <laughs> like, oh, it is work. You know, you have to do your work. I mean, that's one thing that Ian Levan Sant teaches all the time. You've got to do your work. And part of doing your work is being hospitable and, and going around and, and acknowledging people. The word imagine, you said, is to visualize, to envision. And I think when we visualize, and we were talking about food delivery service and also the touch of the table, but when we visualize the chef coming to someone's table, how many times, listeners, do you feel you wish he would come to your table? What would that mean to you? Tweet me at Max Tucci and let me know because I really, I'm curious for that question. When you see the chef in the restaurant go to a table and walk past yours and keep going past yours, do you wish they came to yours? And if they did, what would you expect from them? I know that expectations lead to limitations, but I'm curious to know the answer. So do tweet me or Instagram me at Max Tucci. Um, imagine. So oh, we imagine. I have to jump on that. I, ha- I have jump to jump on that. on that. I absolutely <laughs> have to jump on that. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. you oh, no, jump on for- So let's talk about that for just a minute. Mm-hmm. How on earth are we going to recreate the energy 
of the conviviality that is cultivated by the legend. Here's the thing about conviviality. Conviviality is that joy of mm-hmm. sharing your moments together, sharing breaking bread together, being in the house together, listening to the music together, letting the laughter and energy bounce back and forth from table to table, person to person, so that the whole room is lifted almost transcendently into this experience that is elevated above what experience we had when we walked in. There's a reason we go to the places we become regulars because the energy there makes us feel better, whole, nourished. There are some places, and you know this is true, Max, you walk in and you go, oh, I can't eat here. There's something (laughs) that instantly makes something in you, in your gut, in your heart. You just say, I can't eat there. It was the other night. And you go, right? And so, so when we talk about this, when we talk about this and the energy of this, and, and, the, and the essence of conviviality, one of the challenges I'm posing to the industry is don't forget how important that is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a cautionary note. Ten years ago, when we all started to go on social media, we didn't realize that in the process of being connected in one way, we were mm-hmm. disconnecting in another. In a million. We thought, oh, I learned more about more people I haven't talked to in 10, 20, 30 years. I haven't seen them since high school, but I know I know everything about their kids now. Right, right, right. The I know problem what with that, right? And the problem with that, the problem with that is we didn't realize that we weren't talking, but more importantly, we weren't being heard and we weren't hearing. We weren't exchanging that which really nourished us, which is in the realm of I see you, I hear you, you matter. You took away one of the three core components of validation, which is when you say, I see you, and then I hear you. If I can't hear you and you can't hear me, we're not connected. Mm -hmm. That made us starve to death on Mm -hmm. that level. And so when social audio kicked in at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, and we all became addicted. It's because we had been starving to death for that particular energy and type of nourishment. Mm. Do you agree? I agree, but I also know that when you hug someone, the nourishment that the body, that every fiber and every cell in your body receives is greater than any image we can see on a screen. You know, uh, when you say the word conviviality, I love it because for those who don't know what it means, um, it really means the quality of being friendly and lively. And then when you go into the word deeper, and I know we have five minutes, thank you for the, for the, <laughs> for the time. Um, when you go and you Google what is meant by the concept of conviviality. It says the concept of conviviality is the heart of the slow food movement, taking pleasure in Mm -hmm. the process of cooking, eating, and sharing meals with others. Sharing to me being the key word. Jennifer, just because of time, what will you be, who will you be sharing your Thanksgiving with this year? I don't know. My niece, who's a college freshman at Fordham University in New York um, and her friends and the world 
are in a different place. Mm-hmm. I was looking forward to hearing stories about college. I was going to travel back east to my native Boston. I was looking forward to a traditional New England Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And you don't know this, but Thanksgiving is one of my signature meals. Every year when I cook on TV, I, I turn back to my New England roots. I really do a magnificent, traditional kind of Thanksgiving. And if you'll allow me two quick things. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where I'm going to be because everyone is worried about what's going on in the world. So I'm not going to travel Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving. And I'm looking oh, for ways it. that I can see someone else's family. And I'm going to go be of service to someone else. But I want people who are making a Thanksgiving to think of this. In this weird year, the Thanksgiving table is and always will be an edible ofrenda. An ofrenda is like an altar. An altar at that time of year when they um, say that the earth and the spirit realm are closer together than ever. You know, Halloween, November 1st, November 2nd, when our, our ancestors come back and visit us. Well, I think the way that we do that culturally in North America is to have a Thanksgiving table and our ancestors, those who have left us, one of the things we set at the table for them, and other cultures do this, you know, setting a place uh, for the spirits, setting out a sip for the spirits, The Thanksgiving table will often feature items that were the favorites of somebody who's no longer with us. And what is Thanksgiving without Uncle Bill's favorite sweet potatoes? What is Thanksgiving without Nana's stuffing? It isn't. You have to do those things. And so with the revival and and continuance of traditions at Thanksgiving, I think we honor those who are no longer with us. I think that's really important. So thinking of it that way, I I think is, is a way that, we remember who isn't with us this year for any number of reasons. And I think it's important that we focus on that a little bit more than we ever have. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, this Thanksgiving, I'm going to be at the farm, which means that I'm sacrificing being with my family in Florida. But um, it feels right for me to be here this year. And I'll have some loved ones with me for sure. Um, you know, but you said Nana's stuffing, and I immediately thought of my mother's delicious stuffing and how this year I'm going to miss it, but I'm, you know, my mother already knows she's going to make it for me when I come down there. But I also have a tradition for Thanksgiving where I have a lot of friends from all over the world. Um, I have some friends of mine and some workers of mine that come from Cuba or come from Guatemala and they don't have family here. They've come alone. They've left everyone behind because they wanted a piece of what Oscar got, that American dream to bring home. And so I always invite them to my table. And I remember one year I invited some to my table and a friend of mine said, how can you let your staff sit at your table? And I was so dumbfounded and so sad and so upset by that question. I couldn't even answer. How can you not? How can you not? I still can't answer the question because all I can, what rings through my ears is compassion. And so this Thanksgiving, be compassionate to one another. Invite someone who you know is alone this year to your table. And if you're scared of COVID or if you're scared of, you know, that there's a virus or that you can, you know, become ill, there's ways to figure this out. You know, um, there's rapid tests. You can go to CVS and you can rapid test one another if you desire. So 
but really invite someone who's alone this year. And maybe if they're uncomfortable coming to your house, invite them through this wonderful way of, of the internet. Bring them in through Skype. Bring them in through FaceTime. Have them sit at your table virtually. I mean, that's really the future, I think, of hospitality, is being able to have that concert you want at your home now projected in your home. And your home becomes the theater. And the dinner becomes the orchestra. And your guests become the audience. So this Thanksgiving, I know we have to wrap it up, so we're going to wrap it up in about one minute. This Thanksgiving, be compassionate, be kind. I say always good night and good karma. I'm not saying it just yet. And what does that mean? It means to have a good night, to really have a good night. And good karma means not the reaction of karma's a bitch and all of that, but good karma means that every action has a reaction. So if your actions are good, the reactions will be good. That's just, you know, every action does have a reaction. So Jennifer, I have to thank you. Yes. Can I share one more quick thing? Please share it. Absolutely. To my son, to home. It's defining home. And to me, home is where my son is. It's where my heart is. It's where my heart always is. And to everybody that's here with us, please hug your kids, hug your family, and count your blessings. And I love what I love art. We were talking about art the other day. And what is your, you have a saying about art? Please keep making art. Keep making art. On that note, I'm going to echo my, um, I just adore you. I mean, I could give a million adjectives, but time is permitting. I adore you. I thank you. The word namaste means my soul bows to yours. So I say namaste to you. Thank you for spending time here on Max and Friends. And, you know, I think we could have played holiday music, (laughs) which I'm not like, you know, really ready for just yet. But I think our conversation was holiday music. Because what it reminded us all to do is to be still, to know that where we are right now is exactly where we're supposed to be, to have compassion, to have love, and to give this holiday season. I love you all for tuning in. I see you. I hear you. You matter. And I love you. I'm your host, Max Tucci from Max and Friends. And now, Jennifer, I do say good night and good karma. Until next time, take life to the max. Thank you, Jennifer. Got you.